Good morning, and welcome to Central Church of the Nazarene. We're in this sermon series. We started last week. It's called Red, Yellow, Black, and White. And, and we get that series title from the children's song that we learned. Probably the first song you learned in Sunday school, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. The second song you learned in Sunday school was, Jesus loves me, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. It's saying the kingdom of God is bigger, far bigger than our little circle. It casts a dream. It gives a vision of, of that God is working and still bringing about his kingdom here on earth. Now, I get it. I'm a white guy talking to a mostly white crowd. But we need to expand our vision of the kingdom of God. We need to recognize that the kingdom of God is more than our tribe, our people, our language. But before we get to our hero, Simon, in Luke chapter 9, it begins when Jesus sends out the 12 disciples to preach the gospel, and to heal people. Now, you only thought that, that Jesus was the one that did miracles, but that's not true. The disciples also, Jesus sent them out to preach the gospel and to do miracles. In fact, Luke 9, 6 says this, so they went out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Can you imagine that? How awesome would that be? The 12 disciples go out, they're preaching the good news, start healing people everywhere. You know, I'll take McLaren, you take uh, a Genesis, you take Hurley, we'll send someone to MD Anderson and someone to Mayo Clinic and someone to, I don't know, someplace, you know, we'll be healing people everywhere. How cool would that be? Heal, 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 boom, 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 boom. That'd be awesome. And so that's what the disciples are doing. They're going out, preaching the good news, healing people everywhere. And, and Herod hears about this. And in Luke chapter 9, and he's thinking, wait, wait a minute, I already killed John the Baptist. And what are these people doing? They're going around everybody, healing everybody. And the disciples return from this whirlwind healing and preaching tour, and they come back together, Luke chapter 9. And I think, I imagine them giving each other high fives because of how awesome it had been, you know? They're, 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 they're talking about how they were preaching the good news. And I gotta tell you, it is fun preaching the good news. I love doing what I do. I love telling you about Jesus. I love telling you that Jesus can get you through any storm. I love telling you that Jesus is the way, the only way. Oh, that's great. And then so, so they're, they're giving each other high fives about how they were preaching the good news, giving each other high fives about how they were healing people, healing people everywhere. How fun would that be? You just go and you see a sick person. Don't go to the doctor. Kaboom, you're healed. Wonderful. Healing people everywhere. That's what was going on. How fun would that be? And we're going on a medical mission trip. And then you can pray for us. It's going to be about a month from now in March. You can also pray that my passport gets here before we leave on that trip. Yes, I was supposed to send it in last year. Or yeah, last fall and yes I kind of procrastinated and yes Carla told me to send it in earlier than I did and no I didn't do it and yes I sent it in this week and yes she reminded me that you know I was supposed to have done it last year and yes I had to pay extra to get it expedited and yes I learned my lesson and yes that's I'm just confessing everything to you <laughs> you all are cheaper than marriage counseling those mission trips are a blast though they, if you've never gone, and our doctors go, you know, and they, they, we treat, you know, 100, 150 people a day, and we serve people, and we care for people, and we're loving people, and this time we've got our, one of our optometrists, uh, Chris Hall, is going to be going, and so we're going to be able to, to give people glasses, better glasses, and that's going to be fun, and so much fun, helping people is so much fun. So imagine the 12 disciples, they come back, whirlwind tour, right? 
They've been preaching the good news. They've been healing everybody, everywhere. Boom, 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 healing people. This isn't, you know, a phony baloney televangelist healing people. This is healing people. They're, I mean, they're going healing people. And so they all get together, and when they get back together, a crowd hears that they're all together. They've been preaching the good news everywhere. They've been healing people everywhere. And now they get all back together, and a crowd hears about it. And so they all come, and that's when Jesus fed 5,000 people. He gives them the free bread and fish lunch. It's better than Long John Silver's. There's no hush puppies, but it's better than Long John Silver's. And they all eat it. They all love it. It's awesome. That's when it gets really exciting. Again, we're still in Luke 9. So Jesus goes to the, crowd, or to the disciples after they've just been with all these, this huge crowd, right? And he says to them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they reply, well, some say you're John the Baptist, which is kind of a weird thing to say. John the Baptist had just been killed, and they were, had been contemporaries, so it's kind of hard. How can Jesus be John the Baptist? But that's what the crowd was saying. Others say Elijah. Remember, Elijah, he went to heaven, took to heaven. Elijah's come back. Shoot. Still others are saying that you're one of the prophets long ago come back to life. And Jesus said, okay, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, good old Peter, in Lent, we're going to have, we're going to spend six weeks on Peter. I can't wait for that series. That'll be starting the first week in March. And good old Peter says, God's Messiah. Woohoo! Good answer, Peter. All right. Now look what happens next. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. Keep it a secret, boys. Keep that one under your hat. And then he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he must be killed on the third day and on the third day be raised to life. Now file this uh, whole statement as in one ear and out the other. Because I don't know how the disciples forgot this important news. I don't know how they could act like they'd never heard it before. I don't know how how it could go in one ear and out the other. But when the rubber hit the road, when Jesus is arrested and beaten and crucified and buried, when all that was happening, it was in one ear, out the other. Because those guys had forgotten all about it or they acted like, I don't know if they just weren't paying attention, if they didn't think it applied to them. I don't know what they were thinking. They didn't figure it out until after Jesus ascended into heaven. And then I think the disciples go, man, oh man, I sh- how did we not? He told us, he told us exactly what was going to happen. And it happened just exactly as he said. How did we miss it? I don't know. All right, but this is what I want you to get. We're still in Luke 9. It's after he tells them all this. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit their very self? Think about it, he's saying. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Jesus is talking about discipleship. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? You know, preaching the good news, healing people, boom, 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 boom. That's all fun. That's all fun. That's wonderful. But discipleship is about denying oneself, picking up your cross, even when it's hard, even when it isn't easy. He says, in fact, you might lose your life, but if you do, you'll gain it. You, you, you might not gain the whole world. This isn't a money grab. 
In, fa- in, fact, in fact, if you gain the whole old world and lose your soul, Jesus is saying, if you gain everything you could and lose your soul, then, then in the end, you've lost, you've lost. And all of us, we can, list, we can list millionaires, billionaires, kings and queens down through the ages who have had seemingly the whole world and they've reached the top and they've, and they've looked around and said, this is it? I thought all this stuff was supposed to make me happy. This is it. This is, this is what I've been working. This is it. And Jesus is saying it. Gain the whole world. Lose your soul. Not worth it. And then Jesus went on to say, listen, it's, it's not being ashamed of the gospel. Even when mocked. Even when abused. Even when beaten. Even when the rest of the world thinks you're crazy because you're following after this man, this guy called Jesus. Even when your entire school thinks that, that you're crazy because, because you act and behave like, like the, what the Bible says is true. I know a young lady and her fiance, now well, they're married now. And before they were married, all of their friends, they thought they were crazy because, because they refused to live together and they weren't sleeping together because they actually believe God's word is true and that you're not supposed to do that stuff until you're married. And, her, and their friends thought, you know, you're crazy. You're paying two rents and you've got two cable bills and two electric bills and two water bills and you're waiting for sex until married. That's crazy. But they believe that the Bible is true and they believe that the Bible says, wait, you wait, you wait. Being a disciple isn't always easy. And here in Luke 9, Jesus isn't selling a bill of goods. He's not some, some, some sleazy salesman. This isn't a bait and switch deal. After all the miracles that those disciples did, after, after Peter proclaims, you're the Messiah. After Jesus says, keep that under your hat. And Jesus says, all right, this is what being the Messiah means. Being the Messiah means you're going to be mocked, you're going to suffer, you're going to die, but after three days you're going to rise again. And if you're my follower, guess what? It isn't going to be easy for you either. You're going to be mocked. you, You may go through it. It's denying yourself. It's picking up your cross. Remember, cross, instrument of death. It's denying yourself, picking up your cross, and following me, even, even, even when it isn't easy. I think sometimes we in America, we forget that. We want everything to be easy. We want our Christianity to be easy. Preacher, just tell me what, you want to, what we want to hear. You know, tickle my ears a little bit. Tell me that I'm okay and you'll be okay and sin, and sin every day and that's okay and, and do what you want and that's okay and, and everybody goes to heaven and there is no such thing as hell and that's okay, that's okay, it's okay. Well, I believe um, one day I'm, I'm going to stand before a holy God and he's going to say to me, Rob... When you, were, when you were pastoring at Flint Central, did you talk about discipleship? Did you tell them, did I tell them that they need to pick up their cross and follow me daily? Did you tell them that? Did you tell them it wasn't always easy to be a follower of Jesus? Did you tell them that sometimes it's costly, it's really costly? Did you, did you tell them that, that following me isn't sometimes means you have to say no even when the world and the rest of the world says yeah go ahead and do it or did you give them some flimsy nothing drivel that just made them feel good and went them on their own little merry way jesus said this in one place enter through the narrow gate 
For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. These are some of the hard words of Jesus. See, I want to be one of the few. I, don't, I want to be traveling down that narrow road. But Jesus is saying traveling down that narrow road isn't always easy. It's not always, it's not always a, you know, a stroll through the park. Oh, we still haven't gotten to our hero, Simeon, 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 red and yellow, black and white. Did you forget? The lesson in Luke, in Luke 9, after all these things, after wonderful miracles, after all these things, after Jesus saying what it means to be a disciple, the bottom line, Luke 9, this is what it means to be my disciple. You pick up your cross and you follow me. Even when it's tough, even when you're abused, even when you're mocked, you're not gaining a lot of money, you're not, do, you're not maybe even being successful in the world's eyes, but when you pick up your cross and you follow me and you deny yourself and you follow, that's what it means to be a follower. Okay, that's the lesson. Now fast forward, Luke 22. Luke 23 is where we're going to find our hero, but you can't just jump into Luke 23 either. Luke 22, Judas, Judas betrays Jesus. Jesus has his last supper with the disciples. Jesus heads out to Mount of Olives, and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and that's when he prays, prays that powerful prayer. Father, if you're willing, take this cup, this bitter cup. I don't want to be traveling down this road of death. Take this cup from me. But not my will, Lord. Yours be done. And you know what happens. Jesus is arrested. And those disciples, they forget. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. They scattered. They were running as far away from the cross as they possibly could get. They didn't do what Jesus said. They absolutely did not do it. They're running away. Peter did not. Peter, who said, who said in Luke 9, you're the Messiah. Now Peter is denying that he ever knew Jesus to a servant girl of all people. Are you kidding me? Then there's that phony baloney trial before Pilate and Herod. And then comes the big question before the crowd. Who do you want, Barabbas or Jesus? We want Barabbas. Who do you want, this loudmouth terrorist or the guy who's only been preaching love and healing people and caring for people? Who do you want? We want Barabbas. A lot hasn't changed in 2,000 years. Let me pick up the story. Now we're in Luke 23, 26. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene. There he is. Simon's from Cyrene. Cyrene is modern-day Libya. Libya is in northern Africa. Folks from northern Africa, Libya, they're black. Simon and Cyrene, black guy from northern Africa, who was on his way in from the country, put the cross, put, they put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Luke 9, pick up your cross and follow me. Simon of Cyrene, Simon the dude from... North Africa is doing just that. He picked up his cross, Jesus' cross, followed, he was behind Jesus as they marched to Golgotha. Mark writes it this way, a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Now, we don't know much about this guy, right? He's from Cyrene. Cyrene is Libya. Libya is northern Africa. People from that region are black. We know that. Was he a Christian? Well, we don't know for sure. Was he just passing by, entered into Jerusalem to get a haircut and some groceries, and, and, you know, a Roman soldier grabbed him and made him carry the cross of Jesus? Kind of a random thing. Is that what's going on here? When he got home from, from, from that experience and he said, say to his wife, oh my goodness, 
You will not believe the awful day that I had. I was just passing by. I needed to pick up a few groceries and I wanted some tomatoes from the market, get a haircut maybe. And some, some Roman soldier thugs, they grabbed me out of the crowd and they made me beaten down criminal. I've never been so humiliated in my life and I was carrying that cross and whoo, those crosses are heavy. Wow, we what a terrible day. Or maybe, just maybe, Simon of Cyrene, the guy from Northern Africa, Libya, black guy, Maybe he had heard about Jesus. And maybe he, he had seen Jesus. And maybe he, like Peter in Luke 9, declared that Jesus is the Messiah. And when he got home that day, maybe he said to his wife, you'll never believe it. Those Roman soldiers grabbed me out of the crowd. They grabbed me. What are the chances that they would grab me out of the crowd? But they grabbed me out of the crowd. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a coincidence. It was a divine appointment. God chose me to pick up Jesus' cross and follow him. What an honor. Wow, this is a day. What an honor. I carried the cross of Jesus. What an honor. Now, maybe it's not that far out of line because, again, remember, when in Mark's account, he said that, that Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, carried the cross. Why does Mark tell us Simon, Simon's son's names, Alexander and Rufus? I mean, they're fine names, especially Alexander. I have an Alexander. We should have named Ben Rufus, and we could have been just like him. It took us five days to name Alex Alex. Have I ever told you that story? Five days. Carla wanted to name him Austin. I said, listen, I am not naming my son after where the Texas Longhorns play football. I am not naming him Austin. I'm not naming him after any city in Texas. I'm not naming him Dallas. We're not naming him Houston. If you name him Austin, I'm going to kill it, t- call him El Paso. Hey, El Paso, get in here. Bring the, bring the chips. So it took us five days. And after fifth day, the nurse, because they were in the hospital, there was a few complications. The nurse finally came and said, you've got to name this kid. So Alexander it was. Why would Mark, why would Mark mention Rufus and Alexander? They weren't there probably. They were probably back in Cyrene, Libya with their mom. They, they, they probably weren't there. Why? They're not part of the story. Why would, why would Mark say, you know, you know, Simon, I, Cyrene, Rufus and, and Alexander's dad. There's only one reason why he would name that. It's because, it's because his readers knew him. Mark is telling this story. Jesus was weighed down by the cross. He was beaten within an inch of his life. He certainly doesn't have strength to carry the cross. It was probably just a crossbeam. I say just a crossbeam. Probably weighed 30, 40 pounds. Jesus had been up praying all night. Then he, then he was arrested and beaten mercilessly and, and had to endure the, the phony trials and all the rest. He didn't have the strength to carry a wet hanky, let alone a heavy cross. And so, so, so Mark is saying, then there was Simon from Cyrene, the black guy from Africa. He gets pulled in from the crowd to carry the cross. And he's saying, you know him, you know him. Simon, Simon, that's, that's Rufus and Alexander's daddy. That's who, who that was. Their daddy just happened to be, to be in Jerusalem when Jesus needed him the most. What a privilege. Just, you go and ask Rufus and Alexander, they can tell you all about it. That's all kind of implied by Mark's statement. You see, Mark is most associated with Peter. Many think that Peter was kind of the the disciple behind the writing of Mark, that Peter dictated uh, uh, Mark's writings. And Peter is most associated with the church in Rome. That's where he worked. And and Paul, when he was writing to the Roman church in chapter 16, lists a bunch of church folks in Rome that he sends greetings to. And in verse 13... 
of that chapter of greetings, he says this, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, just like his dad had been chosen to carry the cross of Jesus. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who's been a mother to me too. Same Rufus? Probably. Why else would Mark point out that it was Alexander and Rufus? Daddy was Simon. That's how God works. Okay, what can we learn from this? First thing we can learn, Mark, Matthew, Luke, all tell about Simon of Cyrene. In Jesus' darkest hour, worst hour, certainly most needy hour, who aided him? A foreigner, a guy from, 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 from Africa, Simon of Cyrene. Jesus, you know, you know Jesus. He was always giving, giving of himself, even when he was spent, even when he was exhausted, even when he needed a break. Jesus was willing to be interrupted and help people all the time like that. And I got thinking, well, who served Jesus? Who ever served Jesus? Jesus was always serving others. Who served Jesus? Well, there was, in Luke 4, there's uh, Peter's mother-in-law. She had been sick. Jesus healed her, and then she got up, and the Bible says, and then she waited on Jesus and the disciples, so she served Jesus. In Luke 10, there's Martha. Martha made, you know, dinner. Martha and Mary, the sisters, and they made dinner for the disciples and Jesus. And I suppose you could count maybe the, the sinful woman that, that washed Jesus' feet at the home of uh, Simon the Pharisee, not to be confused with this Simon. You know, there's nine Simons in the Bible. Second thing we can learn about Simon, he was truly the first person that literally, quite literally, picked up his cross and followed Jesus. And I think some random opportunities that we think are, are, are random are not so random at all. And I think that we have several opportunities for divine appointments. We believe that God is in the business of strategically positioning us at the right place, at the right time, to make a difference. It's Simon from Cyrene, this black guy from northern Africa, was in Jerusalem just as Jesus was going by carrying that heavy cross when he didn't have any more strength. Right place, right time. But there's a catch to that. God is in the business of strategically placing us right place, right time to make a difference. But here's the catch. The right place often seems like the wrong place. And the right time often seems like the wrong time. Simon of Cyrene, coincidentally, was in Jerusalem on that Friday, in from the countryside, alongside that road, right place, right time, just as Jesus is passing by, totally exhausted, not able to take another step, couldn't carry that big old cross. And there was Simon, Alexander and Rufus's daddy, standing right there. Random, or was that a divine appointment? See, I think divine appointments happen. And I think God positions us so that we can make a difference for him. And that, that God brings people across our way so that we can be in the right place, right time to make a difference. Who knows, maybe right now is your divine appointment. Maybe God is saying to you right now, you know what? You've been putting your toe in and testing the waters of this faith thing, and it's time you jump in. And maybe today is your divine appointment. Maybe right now is your divine appointment. When you can say, say, God has been speaking to me. I know he's been speaking to me, and it's time that I really jump in and start serving him. I don't think it's random that you're even here today. A third thing we can learn from Simon of Cyrene, he's a vivid reminder that sometimes our service to Jesus may come suddenly, unexpectedly. You may be placed in a situation where you'll have to quickly decide, am I gonna serve Jesus right now, this moment, 
Do you remember Peter's instructions? Peter said, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared to say the right thing. Here's an example. Someone comes up to you. Hey, what church do you go to? Oh, I go to Central Church. Well, what kind of church is Central Church? Well, it's, um, it's, uh, um, well, we're a Nazarene church. People don't, they don't know, they don't care. They don't know the difference between nasty green and Nazarene. And so you tell them we're a Nazarene church, they got no clue. Well, um, uh, I don't know. How about this? Hey, what church do you go to? I go to Central Church. Oh, what's, what's Central Church like? Well, this is what I can tell you about Central Church. We love Jesus. We take Jesus' message seriously. We love our neighbors. We believe that God is at work in Flint, that he hasn't, he hasn't abandoned us, he hasn't forgotten us, that he is at work, and he wants us to be part of that, and God is doing great things through us, and, and I love my church, and I think you'll love my church too, and why don't you come and check it out for yourself? It's kind of like Philip to Nathaniel, come and see. Always be prepared to give an answer. I think Simon Cyrene, he was prepared. Right time, right place, carry the cross. Mark, or Paul in, in Colossians 4 says, make the most of every opportunity. There'll be times in your workplace, at your school, in your neighborhood, when you have a split-second decision to make. Will I cheat? Will I lie? Will I, will I do the right thing? Will I, will I confront that that's doing wrong? You don't have time to phone a friend. You don't have time for, 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 to pull an audience. It's right then, right there. What are you going to do? Simon Cyrene, right there. What am I going to do? making the most of every opportunity. And the fourth thing we can learn from him, maybe the most important thing we can learn from him, he's a vivid reminder. Remember Jesus' words, pick up my cross, follow me. Pick up that instrument of death, follow me. Serving Jesus isn't always glamorous. It isn't always easy. Sometimes it involves suffering. It can be hard. Jesus isn't selling us a bill of goods. He's speaking to us straight, saying, you be my follower, and sometimes it means you have to stand up in the face of those who are, who are saying the wrong. I don't know the most recent statistics from 2019. I know from 2018, over 4,000 Christians were martyred in 2018 because they were serving Jesus. It's not always easy. Lord, would you do that? Get us to the place where we can say, I am following Jesus. I am all in. I am totally his. And if that means picking up my cross and follow him daily, I'm all in. Help us to be that. Help us to follow you. Help us to trust you every day. In Jesus' name, amen.